Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. That affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tucson, Arizona. Coaching speculation. 24-7 Sports Jason Shear reports current San Jose State head coach Brent Brennan has been offered the job as the head coach of U of A. Fan speculation, they want the former offensive coordinator, Brennan Carroll, son of Pete. But he has already followed Jeb to UW, so you'd have to call him right back. Looks like it's going to be Brennan as the next head coach of the Wildcats. Games last night in the NFL. Start things off with the snowdown game from the weekend that was moved over to Monday. Buffalo knocks out number seven seed, number uh, Pittsburgh Steelers 31-17. Josh Allen, he threw for three touchdowns. He also ran for another. Head coach, Sean McDermott. Always great to get a win, hard to win in the NFL, in particular in the playoffs. But our guys stepped up. Uh, we were, had some guys getting banged up during the game. Uh, we answered, we countered when we needed to counter. Uh, and uh, good to get a win. Buffalo will now host Kansas City in Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game. That's going to be Sunday at 4.30 on CBS 5. Eagles, different story. Despite starting the year 10-1, they finished the year 1-7, losing to the four-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield, he threw for 337 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. And according to head coach Todd Bowles, everybody's happy. But all those guys were upbeat. I think Tristan was upbeat. Everybody on the sideline was upbeat. Offense, defense, special teams. Everybody was into it. Everybody was helping each other out. It's a good team win. Bucks now head to Detroit. Yeah, the Lions haven't hosted a playoff game since the 90s. Now they host one in back-to-back weeks. That game is at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The Saturday games, they're set as well. Houston goes to Baltimore at 2.30 on Saturday, and the 49ers host the Packers. That'll be Saturday night at 6.15. Suns currently are the eight seed right now, but they're only two games back of two teams or three teams that are tied for the five seed. So they could jump all the way up to come close to have home court advantage if they can rack up a couple wins. They're home against Sacramento tonight. Kings allow the fewest offensive rebounds in the league, so keep an eye on that to see if the Suns can get some stickbacks against the best of keeping them away from it. Tip-off tonight downtown, 7 o'clock. Arizona Coyotes are currently tied for 11 with the St. Louis Blues. They're three points behind Edmonton and Seattle for the coveted eight spot, which would be the last playoff position. Now they are one point behind 10th place Calgary. Who do they play? Calgary tonight, who just destroyed them at the mullet last week. They're in Alberta to take on the Flames. Face-off tonight, 7 o'clock. And finally, the city of Portland wants to warn residents about a little bit of a problem. See, they have a busted pipe that froze over and burst. So they'd like to ask all of Portland residents to be a little careful and to limit their usage over the next week as they repair the pipe. Now, when I say limit their usage, 
I may have forgotten to tell you what pipe has actually been the one that's burst. And oh, by the way, it's only the pipe that's downtown that handles the raw sewage. Yeah, when they say limit usage, they're asking downtown residents to limit their flushing. Wait, should should I hold it for a week? Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Oh, yeah. Absolutely crazy day yesterday. So much to talk about with you as a member of the Unplugged Army. But my number one thing that I've got to tell you, from the bottom of the hearts of all of the Franz family to you, Unplugged Army, thank you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz Unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. How are you? Oh, yeah. Two Mountain Dew Day. So for those of you listening to the podcast, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, tune in. Uh, that's because I, I had to take another drink of the Mountain Dew. Tried to get juiced up uh, a little bit. I, I'm so jacked up, but I'm also already pretty tired. I'm usually not this tired this early in the week. It kind of builds throughout the week. But crazy day yesterday. And, and in, in, a, in a, why can I not talk? In a, in a, in a, in a. In an incredibly positive way yesterday, and I'm just, I'm so excited about it. Number one, let me find the date again. Unplugged Army tentative date, tentative date, February 16th. 
please block that off on your calendar. Sanctioned event, February 16th, in which we will have our next golf outing a month from today at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And um, I'm a huge fan of my conversation yesterday. I had lunch with Sweet Lou, my friend Cam. We started talking about some new ideas, some of the upcoming events that are coming for Whirlwind Plus members. An elevated level of Whirlwind Plus for those of you that say, I love Whirlwind Plus, but I'd like to be able to bring a foursome or be able to you know, fill it up with other guys. Well, then there's going to be a new group for you to be able to do that. And then what we're, we need to work on in order to make the 16th work, it was my idea to be able to tie it into the spa. So if your spouse wanted to have a spa day for Valentine's Day, you could buy a package of golf and spa. How about that? Or at the same time, just have her come with you and play golf. Whatever you decide, but that's going to be February 16th. It's a tentative date as of right now because Sweet Lou's got to check the schedule. And he told me some other things that he said, hey, we got to keep this quiet a little bit. But uh, how do I say it while keeping it quiet? I would just say keep your eye on the positives at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. The things that, wow, it's in, things within the next year are going to become even more amazing. How about that? How about that? That's, that's what got me jacked up about this. And then just a note to, to let you know as a member of the Unplugged Army why I'm so gung-ho about Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I was talking to them about some of the things here at WTSMTV.com that might change in a positive way. And Sweet Lou was dead serious. He looks at me and says, hey, I just want you to know, if you ever have a sponsor that wants to spend more and be the presenting sponsor, go ahead and take it. We, we don't, you know, we'll, we'll find another area to support the Unplugged Army. We'll make sure that we sponsor something else on the show so you can just keep growing. You guys deserve that. I, through great loyalty, that's not part of my plan because what they've done for us, but just to have a guy care that much is so cool. Just so cool. So I was jacked up about that. And then while I'm sitting there, I get a text from a friend that says, hey, come on over and I'm having a beer at Trophy right now. And Trophy's a bar in Chandler. And I'm already on that side of town with Whirlwind. Okay, great. So I go over there. And I thought this was really cool. Santan Ford was there. And when I say they were there, I mean a whole bunch of people, including, you know, the Tim Hovick guy that you see on the billboards. He was there. And he decided just to reward some of his great employees and say, hey, let's go over and watch the game. So they all went to the sports bar, watched the game, the Steelers game, and, and, and he bought them dinner. And I thought, now that, that's cool. That is really, really cool. So for those of you that live on the east side and you're in the car industry, I just wanted to give a free shout out to Santan Ford that maybe that's a place you might want to work, to be quite honest. Because I bet you, just like everywhere else in the country, but specifically Phoenix, there's hiring opportunities everywhere, everywhere. And I, I found out about this, and this sounds pretty cool for those of you that are really busy. Santan Ford has a mobile oil change and recall unit. 
So if there's ever issues, smaller issues with the car that you don't need the full service, their mobile unit will come up, set up your car, take, do the oil change right there in the parking lot of your office space or wherever you're at, and there you go. I thought, well, that's a pretty cool deal. And they said they're always looking to expand that. So whatever it is that you're into or whatever part of a car dealership, if you're working somewhere in the East Valley, um, when I see a guy that's just taking staff out to dinner to watch football, I'm like, man, that's kind of a pretty cool place to work. So I wanted to give Santan Ford a free shout out. I just really enjoyed um, talking to everybody. And you might not realize Tim Hovick is a huge supporter of local sports teams. So when I used to do sideline for Arizona State, uh, there were about one or two trips a year he would be on the team plane. And just a, just a really good dude, really good dude. So it was, uh, it was nice to, uh, to catch up with him and not be kind of in the rush of a football game or going to this a restaurant real quick and, okay, which part of the – should I tell you this story? Yeah, I should. Oh, I will never understand this. I was just thinking of, of going out to dinner with ASU. I will never understand this. This is one of the dumbest things I've ever, I've ever seen, really. Um, when I used to do ASU sideline, I was not an employee of Arizona State. I was an employee of a bunch of different other companies that had the sports marketing rights of ASU. So it's basically, here ASU, we'll give you a check to buy your rights so you make money and you don't have to touch anything. And then we'll go out and sell all the advertising and we make money based on the advertising sales. So I worked for that secondary company when I'm doing sideline for Arizona State. Well, when we would have a dinner, the companies that I worked for were so cool, they, they paid you meal money on the road. Some of the companies just said, you get, you know, 40 bucks every day you're on the road, 50 bucks, whatever it was. Another company we worked for went by which meal you missed. So for every meal you missed, they already had a breakfast fee, a lunch cost, and a dinner cost. And whatever me uh, meal you missed, you got that much money. And it was a little weird because it was the same amount of money no matter where you were going. So if you're going to San Francisco, you could barely afford dinner. But if you're going somewhere else, we usually didn't stay in an expensive part of town. So it was, you know, you had more than enough money. So it was always, it was reasonably fair. Well, what they did though, which was awesome, is whoever was in charge of that road trip would take us out to dinner because they realized if you have an opportunity, imagine you're a big ASU sponsor. And the, and, and the company that you're advertising with takes you out to dinner and you have a chance to eat dinner with Tim Healy, the voice of the devils, and Jeff Van Rapport's the only Rose Bowl winning quarterback for the devils. And oh, by the way, the co-host of the number one sports morning show. That, that's kind of a cool deal. So the, they, would, they would pay us our meal money and they would buy us dinner. Like, like we're kind of on the one hand we're getting all pretty excited here but on the other hand man was it fair because jeff's telling football stories people always wanted to know about wolf nobody ever wanted to know doug how are you they just wanted wolf stories from me tim is mr asu historian so everybody in that group got a great asu experience well then asu fires the company and there's two people that basically run the network. There's a guy named Mitch Otto and me. We run the network for the rest of the year. 
And what do they do? They fire me for no reason after the year because they don't want to pay me. And then, and they tell Mitch, they don't like take any of Mitch Otto's advice on anything. And Mitch only lasts one more year and then he's out. It's just, it was like, wait, what just happened here? We're running this thing for you. We're saved your butt. And you don't even say thank you. You just say, go away. Well, the one year we were doing it while this change happened, it was hilarious. They told us to stop coming to dinner. They, they, they literally told Tim Healy, we're paying you meal money. You don't have the right to come to dinner with us anymore. Oh, okay. No problem. Then what were we supposed to say? All of the people that were on these trips, the advertising guys, they would come up to us and say, hey, you going to dinner with us? Oh, no, sorry. Like, what do you say? Yeah, the ASU doesn't want to buy us dinner anymore. They, don't even, they didn't even invite us. It was so dumb. I mean, and then these people would come back and they'd go, man, uh, we really missed you at dinner. Boy, last year was a lot of fun. They didn't quite say all these salespeople for ASU are boring. I don't know why I had to tell you that story. I just felt so bad for those people. But we would, I just remember one time going out to dinner with Tim Hovick and just having a great time. And we, man, we had some great times on those dinners. All right, that's it for, uh, oh, oh that, but that's kind of my great day. And then while I'm at the, the sports bar, I see about three or four ASU sources that are there. So I go over there, talk to them for a little bit, pick up some information to try to help you as a member of the Unplugged Army. So we've got a lot going on today. And I'm not quite done yet, Jeff Weir Productions, just so you know, with Town Hall Tuesday because I was so busy last night. So I got to finish that up. And then I went home, watched both games, and uh, made a couple phone calls, and then went to bed. It was kind of a a crazy day yesterday, but wonderful. I could just feel the growth of the Unplugged Army. So thank you for being behind me as we're getting a little bigger and a little bigger uh, every time and and every day. All right, sound credits today. I'm going to need your help on this uh, Jeff Weir production. Sure. Uh, We got Mike Tomlin from, I think, the bulk of the presser from Steelers.com. And if I'm right on this, Steelers.com cut out the end of the presser. They didn't want anybody to see it. But we took it from CBS Sports, which you have to see, which is hilarious. We got Najee Harris from, what is it, DK Pittsburgh Sports? Is that right? That's right, yeah. Okay. And then Sean McDermott we got from BuffaloBills.com. Todd Bowles we got from... Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buc- Is it tbbucks.com or is it just Tampa? Just Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The whole thing. Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneers. And then um, we will probably get some more stuff from different team sites like the Eagles and, uh, and possibly... Well, I guess that's it if I throw out the Eagles. So, yeah, that's pretty much everything. I, don't, I can't think of anything else. Anything on your mind? Jeff for production, how's life? Uh, life is good. Life is always good when I'm here with uh, Doug Franz. So that was a big drink, <laughs> but it was needed. All right, then let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today is I, I have to laugh a little bit about the speculation that goes on with where we are with coaches. When think of where we are as Arizona Cardinals fans, rarely going to the playoffs. And the latest meltdown is Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. I have no idea if he's going to survive. None. But isn't it funny how we sit here in a situation where they've been to the playoffs for three years straight with this young head coach? 
And now there's media speculation. I don't know about anything actually going on with the Eagles, but media speculation that he needs to be fired. There's 11 minutes to go in the Super Bowl, and the Eagles have the lead. That's how close Nick Sirianni got this team to winning a Super Bowl. His defense melted down when he's an offensive guy. They lose, and then this year he gets the team to a 10-1 start. I am not trying to sugarcoat the meltdown. I don't know what happened to to the Philadelphia Eagles this year, and you do have to stare down the coach and say, how could you not get – what caused the swoon – And how could you not get them out of the swoon at some point during the year? How did all of this fall apart? That's a 100% fair question, and you need a plan, and you need to be able to break out of it. But the reason why I laugh about it is there's so many people that say, okay, he can't get us over the hump. We got to make a change. Really? I mean, really? Are you guys so spoiled, Eagles fans, after all of your years of ineptitude that you forget what it used to be like? That you've gone to the playoffs three straight years? That you almost won the Super Bowl just the previous season? And then with new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, you're sitting here at 11-1 and one, or 10-1 and one, and now blow it all up? If you want to fire Nick Sirianni, which I totally disagree with, I will give you one good reason. I'm not trying to be a jerk. The man is smarter than me, and the man knows more about football than I do. But I just don't understand how Matt Patricia gets promoted. I don't – I really struggle with that one. When you see how much better the Detroit Lions are without Matt Patricia. I mean, they got better instantaneously getting rid of Matt Patricia. When you see, and granted, this is Bill Belichick's fault, but when you see how Matt Patricia destroyed an offense that was improving, the first year of Mac Jones, you saw a lot of positives in the Patriots' offense. Year two... Under Matt Patricia, you saw nothing positive whatsoever. Then he goes to Detroit, and I don't know if he was undermining the authority of the defensive coordinator or what, but about 20, I would say about 55, 60% of the way through the year, they make the change, and now Matt Patricia's in charge of the defense, and that defense just got worse. And it wasn't good to begin with, but it got worse under Matt Patricia. And that guy just keeps getting reborn into different positions. So if you want to fire Nick Sirianni, I'm actually like, well, that reason alone isn't a bad reason. But for the most part, this talk about firing him, I think that's crazy. Now, the Mike McCarthy discussion of firing, I think it's really simple. Can you get better? Can you do better than Mike McCarthy? And if you can, make the move. Because I think with Mike McCarthy, he took over the play calling and the offense looked a lot better this year. But he did it. One of the reasons was to declare because we need to be able to run the football. And what did he do? He became pass happy, just like the guy that he replaced. At the same time, it was a it was a team meltdown in in their game against Green Bay. Make no mistake, their defense couldn't stop anybody. But the offense did a lot to help the Packers. I mean, the Cowboys offense. 
So with that kind of terrible play from your quarterback, the team clearly not ready, and you continual, you're continually failing at the exact same level each time. And this year, you're actually the two seed. I would say, can you do better? And whether this is fair or not, and I realize this totally violates the spirit of the Rooney rule, it's really simple. You contact the agent of Bill Belichick. Do you want the Cowboys job? Have a little conversation. Then you fire your head coach, and then you do an open search. And one of the people happens to be Bill Belichick that you interview. But I don't think you fire McCarthy unless you've got Bill Belichick coming in or somebody you believe is dramatically better. Maybe uh, maybe Pete Carroll. But I, I don't know about you. There, sometimes there's a fit. And does it really seem like a fit for Pete Carroll to be the head coach of, da- of the Dallas Cowboys? I... I don't know about that fit, the way that the spirit of Pete Carroll is. But at least if you had Pete Carroll, it would be somebody that would play good defense and run the ball because he's not going to let his offensive coordinator get pass happy unless, of course, they're at the one-yard line in a Super Bowl. Then they'll start chucking it around. Doug's big one today is, though, is laughing, not at speculation that Nick Sirianni is going to get fired. But laughing if Jeffrey Lurie actually does it. That I, I consider that really, really funny and a really bad move that the Eagles have forgotten what it was like to live like the lower half of, uh, of the rest of us. All right. A lot to do today. Town Hall Tuesday coming up. I got a lot of sons I want to talk about today. And I want to go through some of the uh, uh, stuff that we have for you football-wise. Let's stay on football since I've uh, already brought it up. But I, I admit to you, Jeff Weir Production, I don't know everything that we have today. So let's let's start with the Pittsburgh-Buffalo game. And let's just go through the good quotes that you have from Sean McDermott, the head coach. So let's go with uh, McDermott 1. It's like guy going, you know, the Griswolds. He's going on vacation, right? Uh, and we stopped him. Um, I think just short of uh, Wally World, and he and he came back and and he uh, put the uniform on and go out there and play. I think that's uh, that's pretty special right there. So I applaud applaud AJ for that, and um, pretty remarkable. He's kind of entertaining, right there. Wally World is something that. Did you have you you know what I, I should ask you Jeff for your production because that that movie is actually so old is that in your wheelhouse at all Yes it is Okay cuz I was wondering I was assuming there was a chance that that would be so much older than you that you wouldn't have gone back to see it No I love Chevy Chase Okay okay I've heard I've heard he's a real jerk as a human being but man he's funny I'm yeah, a big I'm a big Fletch, I'm a total Fletch fan I, I think Fletch is absolutely hilarious Okay give us a uh, McDermott too It's Josh. I mean, just, I think it was even Joe on the headset going, get down, get down. And then he goes and scores. And he's like, I mean, I mean, go score, right? So, no, that's that's Josh doing some of what Josh is known for. And, um, you know, so it's, it's everything in moderation. 
That's a big discussion, and I remember, do you remember our conversation that we had with Randy Mueller, the former general manager of both the Dolphins and the, and the Saints? And that is, what would he do with Kyler Murray? Would you want him running? Because you know the team is more effective when he runs, but the risk of injury is obviously dramatically higher when he runs. Now, it's a different body type with Josh Allen. But Josh Allen not only threw for three touchdown passes, but he ran for one. And his legs are such an unbelievable weapon. But the thing that's great about Josh Allen, and that's different than your standard running quarterback, do you keep your eyes downfield? Are you looking to use your legs to buy time and make a play? Or are you using your legs to bail? You can always tell a younger quarterback that hasn't really either A, learned how to read coverage, or B, the coaches don't trust him to read coverage. If it's just, we're going to have you read half the field. Let's kind of have a little rollout. Only read one, two, high to low. It's not open. Boom, you go. And that's it. Or it's a simple play where put the the ball in the belly of the back. If they crash, keep it and go around. Keep an eye on the linebacker. If he steps up for the play fake, throw it over the top of him to the tight end. If none of that works, run. Okay? Now, those plays work. I'm not saying that means your quarterback's an idiot if you have a team that you're a fan of and they run that play. No, not at all. Those plays work, uh, uh, especially when they're not expected. But the catch is, is that all that they do? If that's the entire playbook, basically, like uh, like Washington used to do with RG3, that shows that's all that quarterback can do. And once you branch away from that, there's problems. And Josh Allen is fantastic at going through the progression unless there's immediate pressure. If one of his offensive linemen get beat, okay, find a seam in the pocket, be able to escape. But while he takes off, he rarely, unless it's a designed run, mind you, but he rarely immediately sees a seam and is looking to run and takes off. What he'll do is he'll secure the ball, step up into that seam while looking downfield. Does anybody get open in the scramble drill before I get to the line of scrimmage? And if they don't, then he takes off. That is a perfect scenario for a quarterback. And it's something that Kyler Murray can get better at. He's not bad at it. That's not a slam on Kyler. He's not bad at it. But he he will bail a little too quick because he doesn't, A, read coverage very well, and B, because of his size, he doesn't see over his linemen very well. And then he's got to move, but then once he moves, sometimes he'll just take off. Move to buy time and give up less sacks. Okay, what's next with uh, Sean McDermott? He's a football player, and I think that's if you measure Khalil by playing the game of football, uh, I think he's a pretty pretty special player uh, and person for that matter, and I think one feeds the other. So um, I think more people need to start measuring um, some of those things as opposed to some of the measurables and, and find true football players. Man is uh, man is that strong. Measure the person by their heart and and find true football players. That's I love player evaluation. Absolutely love player evaluation. I love talking to scouts. I love talking to assistant GMs. I love talking to general managers. It's just really cool to kind of see what they're thinking and to see the processes that they go through 
to figure out who's going to be a player that they believe in. And the reason, one of the things that I like about it is just how you can have a different philosophies to get to the same thing. And when you have different philosophies to get to the same thing, and when I mean a winning team, well, how do you get there? Even though I rip Steve Keim a lot, Steve is one where at the beginning of his tenure, he was somebody that you could that you could believe in. He did work hard at the beginning of his tenure. And he used to always say, I don't think we will miss a lot on talent. I don't think we're going to miss a lot on the player. I think what we're going to do, what we can do, is we're going to miss on the heart. We're going to miss on the person and what they bring to the table. And that's just something you're not going to know. And I think one of the greatest examples of his, maybe one of his biggest fa- uh, failures is Robert Kimdichi. Now, I don't ever rip Steve Kine for Robert Kimdichi because full disclosure, I like the draft pick. I thought he was the second most talented player in that draft, but I never would have drafted him in the top 10 because I didn't think he had his mind right. I didn't think he cared enough about the game. But they didn't draft him. I'd have to look it up. They drafted him around position pick number 26, something like that. And at pick number 26, I thought, you know what? To get the second most talented player in the draft at pick 26, that's a pretty good risk. Let's go for it. I like the pick there. And I was so quickly humiliated and proven dead wrong on that because it's still, it doesn't matter what pick you're taking, you've still wasted a pick when a guy has no heart. Robert Kemdichi was not a jerk in any way. He just didn't care. He just didn't care. And he did not play the game hard. He did not study the game. He wasn't somebody that didn't show up. He actually had no idea what hard work was. If you talk to him, he actually thought he's working hard. And he would talk in the in these tones of, yeah, I'm motivated because they don't believe in me here. Or this group dissed me or whatever it was. Man, he said all of the right things, but just didn't bring it. And what Coach is referring to with Shakir and, 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 and how hard he plays in Buffalo, said, okay, well, let, me, let me cheat and get his size. Well, six foot's not as small as I thought, but 190 pounds, you can see that he's looking at it and saying, this is somebody that I can count on to be able to keep playing, play hard no matter what, if I have it right on, uh, on, on who he's talking about. All right, what's next? Well, that's a heck of an opponent. Um, we'll have to regroup tomorrow uh, as a staff, and uh, I know some of our staff has already been working on the Chiefs, and um, that's kind of what you do is you, as a position coach, you, you're able to look ahead a little bit. We'll just have to sit down with Nate tomorrow and just try and see who's healthy and um, when they'll be healthy, if they're not healthy, and, and, uh, and then see what, what jersey numbers we have and, and, and kind of go from there, I think. It's interesting that they're – they're basically hurting that bad that they don't even know what they have. The The thing is the two Monday teams have been put into Sunday. So they got a short week, but at least it's not Saturday. Buffalo will host the Chiefs 430 coming up on CBS 5 to be able to watch that. 
Now, I've got two things to play for you, because that was the end of, of Sean McDermott, right, uh, Jeff Weir Production? That's it, yes, Okay. Sir. This was weird. The, the Mike Tomlin press conference was so short, I, I'm just going to play the whole thing for you. But I got to laugh at something. I'm not going to tell you what it is first. Some of you that watch this might have already picked up on the story. But I want to give you a hint why this is funny to me. We took this from Steelers.com, okay? After it plays, let me tell you something about this video that you might not notice. Here you go. No, this is the one from CBS Sports. Oh, okay, yes. I don't have the one from, from Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. I got rid of that one. Okay, so we, but we have, oh, so this is the full one. This is the full one, Oh, yes. with the yep. ending. Yes, okay, sir. so then I'll go ahead and tell the story. Jeff Weir Production this morning pulled the Steelers for me, and he said it's only about two minutes long. I said, all right, we'll just run the whole thing then. And, he, and I said, I, I really care about the ending. And he goes, what's up with the ending? And I said, well, the way Mike Tomlin walks, off, walks out. He goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, you'll see it on this. The last question is about Mike Tomlin's contract. Watch his reaction. The reason why I'm laughing is if you go to Steelers.com and watch it, they cut it off. They don't want you to see that. I mean, it's so funny to think about that. Like, do the Steelers think no one's going to see this? They actually think they can control the message and you're not going to know. And they actually cut it off before the question um, from that? the quarterback. Yeah. Oh, man. So they, there was a question about the quarterback and his future, and they cut it off even before that. That's sad. I mean, it's, it's just so funny to me that the team thinks fans are that dumb that they're not going to see this anywhere, so let's try to hide it from them. You don't need to see this. Well, here's what the Steelers don't want you to see. You know, I compliment Coach McDermott and the Buffalo Bills for – for victory in a hard-fought game. Um, you know, I appreciate the efforts of our guys in there. I just told them that, um, but efforts don't get it done. Um, so let's talk tangibly about why we weren't successful. Um, you know, we spotted them early um, in the football game uh, via the turnovers. Can't come into an environment like this versus a playoff-caliber team and, and turn the ball over like that and, and, um, and expect to be competitive, man. We spotted them. Uh, we fought back in it um, over the course of the, the game. Uh, we cut it to seven um, and was excited about that. Um, then we gave up a touchdown drive. When you get a major penalty within a drive on defense, that's usually going to produce points. Um, and that was the case. Um, and it put them back up by 14, and, and the rest is academic. And so um, I'm appreciative of the efforts, um, but it's not mystical. Uh, we didn't do what was required to win tonight. We didn't take care of the ball. We didn't get it, get the ball from them enough in an environment like this, and thus uh, the score. Had a couple of injuries. Joy Porter, Allen Robinson are in the concussion protocol. Uh, Pat Frymuth had an ankle, um, had limited availability there toward the end of the game. Questions? Mike, that second turnover and Josh goes 52 yards on that scramble. And that, that one was really hurtful. No question. Uh, but we talked about quarterback mobility and what he and they are capable of. Um, it's probably not the story of the game was the mobility, but the turnover component, you know. Um, Got to do better. Mike, what kept you from getting a consistent ground game offense? Um, their efforts. Um, they did a really good job of packing the line of scrimmage and um, 
you know, forcing us to throw the ball more vertically, probably a little bit more vertically than we wanted to. We adjusted. We started doing that, and we started moving the football. Um, so credit to them. Mike, what, did they do something different with their tight ends, or did what you had planned just not work the way you hoped? You know, we've had our issues with tight end matchups over the second half of the year. Um, we adjusted in game, uh, but they made some plays definitively early on. Mike, how much did you feel the loss in that having TJ Watt up there? You know, I didn't think about it, to be quite honest with you. We knew all week he wasn't playing, and so we prepared with that mindset. And so I didn't waste any time thinking about what, what wasn't at our disposal. Uh, we had too much at our disposal and too many decisions and considerations to be made to waste time like that. How do you think Mason did after throwing that interception? I thought he was solid. I thought he was competitive. I thought his confidence was unshakable. I thought he, you know, displayed the things that he displayed really for the last month or so. Anyone? Mike, you have a year, year left on your contract. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. Wow. Wow. Now, I wasn't there in the beginning, okay? And when I say I wasn't there, well, of course, I wasn't in Buffalo, and no way am I going there in January anyway. But I assume that the media relations guy probably prepped the press room. Probably said, I just want to let everybody know that anything to do with 2024 football season, Mike's not here to talk about. He's not going to answer questions about the future of the quarterback position. He's not going to answer questions about the coaching situation. He's focused on this Buffalo game. And that's it. So if you want to talk about the Buffalo game, go ahead. But if you don't want to talk about Buffalo, then um, then we're, we're, he's not going to be answering your questions. Are we all good? We all good? Okay. And then somebody in the media asks that. Well, number one, the media relations guy can act like he gets to set rules all he wants. There, there are no rules. Number two, though, that is what you get a lot of times if you ask a question that they have labeled as off limits. I'm okay with what happened with Tomlin walking off based on today. I'm interested to see what's going to happen today because whenever you get knocked out of the playoffs or whenever you're still you know, going, you have to have a press conference the next day. So there should be a press conference today with the Steelers. And I'm wondering if they're going to try to set up the same rule then because the, the day after the season ends presser, is not only about wrapping up the previous year, but it is a look-ahead day. It is about the future situation. So it's, it's, it's correct. I mean, it was already a fair question yesterday, but it's exactly what needs to be asked today. How will the Steelers handle that? That kind of interests me. Okay, staying on this game, Josh Allen was fantastic. He went 21-30, only 200 yards passing, but in that weather, who cares? Three touchdowns passing and then he ran for a touchdown he was the second leading rusher eight rushes for 74 yards and it was just devastating in weather like that to be able to cover the arm strength and the brain of Josh Allen to cut it through the wind and no route was off limits despite the weather and then still have the footing to be able to keep him in the pocket and he he pretty much torched the Steelers uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, let's go to uh, the first Josh Allen quote we have. 
How's it going, guys? First off, I'm going to start by saying thank you to Andy Major and Aaron Ramella. Um, our, our, the way that our stadium was able to play today, the fans that came out and shoveled through last night and this morning, um, I mean, that's, that speaks volumes about our community and how much you know, support that we have from our fans. And um, we just love that we can come out and, and play the way we did and, and give them that too. Well, that's cool. Um, the reason why I like that one so much, and this is a little different. Doug Frown's Unplugged, it's a different kind of podcast. I hope you enjoy this feature is I like to give you whole bites of press conferences so you get to see, okay, this is what it's like to be in the media and let you judge people without a filter. Now, there, of course, is a filter because I'm, we're still pulling the stuff that I find interesting and there might be another one uh, that I don't play for you that you would have found interesting. But the reason why I wanted to play that one, and that has nothing to do with the game, but I think it shows you who Josh Allen is, that he even knows the stadium ops guys' names, and he thanks the people in that department and thanks the fans for them to be uh, even able to play the game. That That tells you something about who Josh Allen is as a person. And I think a lot of you know the story, but in case you don't, A couple years ago, Josh Allen's grandmother died, who he's very close to. I think it was either going into the playoffs or going into a huge end of the regular season game. And uh, Bills fans have kind of invented making unbelievable charitable donations in someone's name or to someone when you've done something positive. And it started, as my recollection is, is Andy Dalton was the quarterback for the Bengals when they beat the Ravens one year in week 17, back in a 16-week schedule with a bye week, so it was week 17. And with that win, it actually put the Bills in the playoffs for something like the first time in 20 years. I, I forget how long it was. And Bills fans were so appreciative that they started posting the uh, website of the Andy Dalton Foundation. And Bill's fans started donating, I think it was $14 for his jersey number. It might have been the amount of money that was the score of the win. I forget the dollar figure, but Bill's fans like crazy started making donations to Andy Dalton and his fund just exploded. And it became kind of a cool Bill's tradition. Well, when Josh Allen's grandmother died, he had made mention how much she loved kids. So Buffalo Bills fans started making tons of donations to the Buffalo Children's Hospital in her name. And then the Children's Hospital reciprocated and turned a wing with all the donations into like a renovation and named it after her. And Josh Allen gave one of those speeches that you probably shouldn't make because you never know with the way life changes, like Jed Fish. But it was something like, this is why I never want to play anywhere else. This is why I want to be here in Buffalo. And this is why I appreciate all of you. I mean, it was it was one of those moments where it's us versus the world. And it was really cool for Bills fans to hear that about Josh Allen. Now, here he is thanking the stadium workers and everybody that got something done. That shows you who he is. The other thing that you, I can't help but think about when you see Josh Allen, it's number one, all the teams Baker Mayfield has played on, granted, he just won a playoff game, but all the teams Baker Mayfield has played on, he's the number one pick. Number two pick, Sam Darnold, been a backup for years, okay? And then the next quarterback taken, I believe, was Josh Allen. And then right behind him, do you remember? 
<laughs> Josh Rosen was taken by the Cardinals. And then pick number 32 of that first round is Lamar Jackson. And look at the success of Jackson and Allen compared to the other three when most people thought the other three were better than both of them. Uh, full disclosure, going into that draft, I admit, I didn't really like any of them. <laughs> I was worried. I thought Josh Allen was too wild. I thought he had all the tools, but I just didn't see him in a Wyoming offense really know what was going on. And I've heard a lot of reports from people that have helped me know Josh. I don't know Josh Allen, but they've told me a lot about the incredible amount of offseason work. Carson Palmer has a little brother who was a backup quarterback in uh, the NFL for quite a few years, and he's now one of those quarterback gurus that works with quarterbacks all offseason. And supposedly the work Josh Allen put in after his rookie year and really after his second year is like the stuff of legend, according to people that know Jordan Palmer. I haven't, I've only talked to Jordan Palmer twice, but I know a lot of people that know Jordan Palmer. So this is kind of third or fourth hand knowledge. So don't act like I'm telling you here, I have a source into this because a source isn't somebody who talks to somebody who talks to somebody who talks to somebody. But I know people that know Jordan Palmer well, and the way Jordan Palmer just gushes about Josh Allen and the work ethic, it's just a really cool story. But I admit, I didn't love Josh Allen coming out, and the rest of them, I, I was intrigued by Lamar, but I wouldn't have drafted him in the first round. So that's, that's a draft I kind of whiffed on a little bit, not liking anybody, and seeing how good Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are. All right, give us the, uh, the next Josh Allen, if you would, uh, Jeff Weir Production. Yeah, um, they they played man. It was third and long. They played man. Um, didn't have a great man call on, so I decided to try to find a lane and uh, got I don't know 15, 20 yards downfield. And you know, there's the, the a lot of guys screaming slide and didn't slide and scored. So it worked out that time. If you didn't see the game yesterday, he had a great rush for a touchdown. And as he approached a couple defenders, it seemed obvious this is the time to go down. And he thought he was just going to get thrown out of bounds, it looked like. And he kind of powers through. And then nobody hits him. And he just runs all the way to the end zone. And, man, it's tough being a defender. It is tough. But you got to hit him. I mean, and if he goes down and he slides and you get hit with the penalty, he gets hit with the penalty. But that's not as bad as giving up the touchdown. That's not as bad as giving up uh, giving up that. Give me the next one. Uh, we're going to need a fantastic atmosphere. You know, um, I thought the atmosphere tonight was was great. Guys, guys and girls, uh, Bills Mafia of all ages came in and um, did their job, forced a couple false starts. Um, and again, the, the vibe, the energy, the juice that we we can use from that is instrument. Like it, you just can't chalk it up to anything other than. Um, momentum uh, something you can't see but something you can definitely feel and they give that to us it's one of those things that shouldn't matter you know do your job it doesn't matter whether the fans are for you against you it doesn't matter whether the place is packed or there's nobody there you have a job to do teachers do their job without anybody buying season tickets do your job you know that's all true make no mistake however it is so real. I mean, I cannot describe to you how real it is. Now, I'm not trying to talk about this 
from an athletic point of view because all I have to really as a foundation is being high school Harry okay I can tell you you got jacked up when more people were there but that's that's still a high school Harry opinion but I'm talking to you about the times where I have been able to sit really close to the action and you can feel what the fan support is doing you can feel the weight of the fans when expectations aren't met and the anger and the frustration that starts to settle in. And some players can't handle that pressure. Then there's the crowd noise that's intimidating to weak-minded people. I, I totally believe that when the uh, Suns were down 2-1 on their way, remember their way to the finals with uh, the fun team of Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and Devin Booker and Chris Paul, that team, was they were down 2-1 to the Lakers. And they came storming back. And I remember Anthony Davis, I thought he was intimidated in warm-ups. You as a fan base were so nuts from the very beginning of the game. It was awesome to, to feel that. And I think you affected the game. So I totally agree and believe in what Josh Allen's saying, that you do ride that wave and you do ride that juice. Oh, Josh, uh, Jeff, did you say we have one more Josh Allen? Yes, sir. All right, let's hear it. Well, I mean, I think we're playing at a comfortable level because of the uncomfortable situations that we've been in this last six, seven weeks. Um, you know, it's almost a, a sense of our breath of fresh air knowing that everybody's in the same position that we are, we've, we have been, you know, win or go home. And um, to be in that situation, like I said, the, the, the dividends that it's going to pay off, um, and I think you kind of saw that tonight of, you know, we were cool, calm, and collected, and nobody, nobody blinked, and we just kind of went out there and did our job, and we're going to need to continue to do that. I want to use what he just said and kind of change it to our lives because that question is really about the weather, you know, and it's like, okay, how does this feel? Well, it's a situation where, you know, it's not that warm in Pittsburgh, but we have the lake effects. No, they're coming up. We, you know, we, we can handle it because this is what we're used to. Everybody's got to deal with it. And now it's a situation where we are comfortable because of already accepting being uncomfortable. And even though that's only a weather conversation, I would turn that into about all of us. There are so many people that you're going to run into that they cower to adversity because it makes them uncomfortable and because they think something bad is happening to them as opposed to taking the bad and allowing it to prepare them for something that's going to come down the road. And what comes down the road might even be worse than what you're going through. But what you're going through now creates the strength to get to it, get through it. Or what you're about to approach might be the light that you've been waiting for at the end of the tunnel. And you don't appreciate it or respect it or understand how to deal with success if you haven't already dealt with the failure yet or the negativity. And that's important, too. I... I hope I do a good job on Doug Franz Unplugged, and I mean this. This is, this is what's really important to me. And I admit, it became important after the fact. I did not start Doug Franz Unplugged to try to be some kind of inspiration. But so many of you have inspired me with the things that you've written for Town Hall Tuesday and other things because of me getting fired, 
having the, the, the opportunities that I was hoping for in big markets didn't come. And I got a ton of offers in like some small cities, but nothing I was looking for. Then you start this podcast and I've got nothing but you. And then Mikey at Bell's National Kitchen says, hey, I want to jump on. And then Angel at Burrito Express says, I want to jump on. Parker and Sons was the, were the second group of people that called me after I got fired, I think. They might have even been the first to call me to say, how you doing? Well, we want to let you know that whatever your next move is, is if you stay here in town, we want to advertise with you. We want to support you. We believe in you. That was that's incredible to have that. And then Sweet Lou comes along with Whirlwind and says, "We believe in you this much. We'll take that presenting sponsorship." Holy crap, are you sure? All right, let's go. Let's go, you know? And for me to be able to say, "Look at the extreme failure I went through and did not handle it well." August and September and even October of that firing, I I was just simply not a great person. I really struggled to be the person I want to be. And you were right there with me. And now I hope I can show you there is a path out of the adversity that you might be going through and you're going to be okay. And I, I hear that from Josh Allen. Again, he's just talking about we're uncomfortable, but we know so is the other team. We're going to be fine. We can turn that into a comfortable situation. Whatever you're going through right now, let's talk. Let's get you through it. Let's keep your head up about it. And let's keep our mind on the, the reason why you, whatever it is you're going through is because of what you're about to receive on the other side. Um, I got let, Let's enough about that game uh, of Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Let's talk about Philly and Tampa Bay next. Let's talk Suns next. And let's do Town Hall Tuesday. We still have a lot left. I love the fact that you're here. Thanks for being a part of the Unplugged Army. And hopefully you're enjoying a deep dive into the playoff games, especially since you might have been working and really didn't get a chance to enjoy them so you get to know what happened. It's all next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTA. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker and Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker and Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game.
I admit I'm finishing up some parts of uh, of Town Hall Tuesday. Some of your uh, tweets are uh, um, are really, really good. And I'm trying to find – I remember seeing a couple of them that uh, a lot of them are thank you notes. And I want to tell you how important um, that is to me. And, and the reason why is because – it, like we had uh, uh, the general manager of the Seahawks and uh, and the Dolphins on Randy Mueller, and I got a lot of notes that were written. Hey, Randy, thanks for coming on. It was great. To blah blah blah. That means the world to me because the more of you that do that, post it on Instagram or tweet out the person that joined us. That makes them go, wow, okay, Doug Franz Unplugged got me some attention. It helped my podcast. It helped my website. You know, whatever it is, they're, they're not really promoting, but they want you to engage in. And when you say that, that makes them go, you know, I, I need to go back on his show. That, that show has power. And that's, that's really cool to me. Obviously, I can only ask you to do it. And it doesn't wreck the show if you don't. But you, you can see that also helps me. It's easier to get better guests the more often that you react. So thank you when you do that. It means a lot. Um, I want to go back into game two of the NFL playoffs yesterday. And I still have Town Hall Tuesday and some Suns to, uh, to do as well. But uh, Tampa Bay will win her 32-9. The rushing total in this game is a big deal. 119-42. to all of the talk, however, is on the Eagles more than Tampa Bay. So let's start with the Eagles. We have one Jalen Hurts cut, so let's go to the quarterback podium, if you would, Jeff Weir production, and give me Jalen Hurts, and then we'll go through the Nick Sirianni. I didn't know he was going anywhere. I know I didn't, I didn't know that. Nah. I have everybody. I have a ton of confidence in um in everyone in this building. Um, it's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football, and that's been something that we have not done. Love it. That's him basically, hey, I have confidence in everybody in this building, and he's referring to the future of his head coach. And the reason why I laugh at it – sorry, I'm not looking at the camera. I'm doing two things at once. The reason why I'm laughing at that is because when he started off his answer by saying, well, I didn't know he's going anywhere, you know, that's kind of a slam on everybody that thinks he's going to get fired. Now, there is no doubt the shots of Jeffrey Lurie in Tampa was pure rage. I mean, he was just furious at what's happened to the Eagles. And they do have to address this. I mean, you can't finish a year one and seven and have a complete meltdown. That There is something going on. Coaching staff, why couldn't you coach them out of this funk? Players, where was the leadership to get you out of the funk? Today, Pro Football Talk speculates that when the 49ers crushed the Eagles... The Eagles figured out we're not good enough to win the Super Bowl this year, so they just che- excuse me, they just checked out emotionally. And I kind of hear that, and I think you could do that well, get to the Super Bowl the year before. You still have some people on the team that were there the last time you competed for a Super Bowl, and now you just check out. You're, you just suddenly become mentally weak. Really, you don't think you can grow and get better during the year to face the 49ers again. And how many times in sports has a top dog got knocked out? Imagine if if this is true. 
that they lost to San Francisco and they checked out mentally thinking, we don't have a chance. Imagine if the Packers win this weekend on Saturday in San Francisco. Am I picking it? Absolutely not. I think the 49ers are great. But if the Packers win, how dumb do the Eagles look if that's really why they checked out? So that's a player situation, too. So you've got a mess on your hands. But I always think it's wrong to just assume a coach that's been successful just was gift-wrapped success, and you shouldn't allow him one shot at getting you out of the adversity that you're in. Here is uh, Nick Sirianni, and you can imagine the beginning is Nick just you know talking about the other team in the season. Yeah, we just were, we were just a little out of sync, obviously. Um, you know, we had the big play to Devontae. Was, we, besides that, we were just a little bit out of flow. That's always going to start with me. Uh, wasn't good enough. Um, obviously, we're not putting them in good enough positions. And so, you know, sometimes when you're in second and long uh, and third and long you're, you're, and you're not continuing drives, it's easy to look at the stat sheet and say uh, they didn't run it enough. But, you know, there's, there's things that aren't being accounted for. You're in second and long. You're in third and long. Not, there's nothing to say that you can't run it there, but it's going to be harder to pick up a first down in those scenarios. So whenever you're out of flow like that and we're not in sync like we were, um, it's going to be hard to get your get your carries when you're behind the sticks. And we had a two-minute drive there as well. So, hey, listen, uh, we, need to, we need to be able to run it more. Obviously, we, we weren't able to today to get into a flow, and that's, that's not me. There's one, and I like Nick Sirianni, but there's one thing that happens far too often with coaches. If you are good at running the football, too many coaches, once they get in a particular deficit, they act like they can never run the football again. And they do that way too often and then use it as an excuse. Now, I realize the game is 32 to 9. Yes, at the end of the game, we're not going to be running the football a lot. In the fourth quarter, down by three possessions, we're not going to be running the football a lot. That's totally true. But teams will use the scoreboard in the second quarter as an excuse to abandon the run. Now, I'm not saying if you're a bad running team, keep running the football. Not at all. Or if you notice they've got a great game plan in stopping your run, I hope you're a good enough coach to check into some play action, some screens, be able to throw it over that front run blitz, whatever it might be that they're doing. Hopefully you can counter it. But why let the defense and scoreboard dictate to you what you're good at? The Eagles are normally a good running team. That was I'm not saying Nick Sirianni's an idiot, but I'm just explaining how tired I am of every coach using the score as an excuse when they abandon the run 10, 20 minutes into the game. You got plenty of time then. Abandon the run fourth quarter. Okay, we can talk about it. All right, here's uh, the second one from Nick Sirianni is about his outlook on the season when you basically have the tale of two seasons, 10 and one and one and seven. Uh, obviously, we, we're in a in a big slide, and you know, uh, anytime anytime that's the case, I always look at myself first, and I didn't do a good enough job. And, and obviously, we lost five of the last six, and lost today. Uh, and, and it's almost like you, you couldn't get out of the rut. We, were, we couldn't get out of the rut we're in, and that's and that's all of us. Uh, 
we'll all have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and accept that and, uh, you know, just find, find answers, find solutions. Uh, but obviously, you know, when you start 10-1, and one, uh, you know, and then you, and then you get into what, what happened for us, that obviously that, the expectations were high. Um, expectations were even higher when we started off 10-1 and one, and we fell into a skid. So I'll look at everything. I'll look at, you know, obviously the play calling. I'll look at the, um, you know, the scheme. I'll look at, you know, practices. I'll look at um, everything, every, everything that we're doing um, because, you know, I think that past two years, you know, did some things, uh, um, got hot a little bit at the end, um, and then this year wasn't that case. So anytime that's the case, you're going to look at look for answers in, the, in those scenarios, um, you know, because it's not always, the, the answer isn't always like, okay, we finished hot last year, lost our last game, um, do the same thing, you got to be able to adjust. We did some adjusting and things, but we'll look at everything. Uh, Siri, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Jeff. Actually. I know you were trying to tell me, but we had like three seconds left. Yeah. I couldn't come to you. I said, I said, was that number two or was that number three? That was number two. Okay. I, as I said that, all of a sudden Siri started a- 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 talking to me. Did she answer the question correctly? No, she just says, I don't quite understand that. <laughs> um, so the the thing about Sirianni, that was, I, I was hoping to get a little de- a little more detail or a little more culpability. And he just said, you know, we got to look at it. We got to look at it because... I re- there's there's a laser focus in the NFL and it has to be you lose the game it becomes why did you lose here's why we lost okay here's what we're going to do to make sure that doesn't happen again all right next opponent but you know what happened I mean it's not like you don't know why you're one in seven guys know what's going on if Nick Sirianni doesn't know why they finished one in seven I'm not in favor of him being fired but I'll tell you that's a reason to fire him because if he doesn't know how they were one and seven, he's not the guy to fix going one and seven. But I understand he's not going to tell us in the press conference why they went one and seven. All right, give me the last Nick Sirianni, if you would. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's a little premature to talk through that. Um, everybody in that locker room's hurting right now. Um, coaches, players, staff, every, everybody in that locker room's hurting. And my job right now is to be there for them, be there for the guys. Um, We'll find we exactly we'll get into all that. Um, I'm not there yet, uh, but uh, yeah, we're hurting right now. Um, it's tough to you know to go out you know the way we did. Just uh, hats off to the the Bucks. They had a good game plan. They did a good job. Um, but my mind right now is not is not there. You know, I got a lot of time to think about that. My mind right now is on the locker room, the guys, the coaches, um, the, all those. All those I'm I'm Boy, a big difference in Philadelphia media and the rest of the world. I mean, there's no way to be able to cut that off in time to, to just get the answer because everybody's stepping on top of Nick Sirianni to ask their question. A lot different market. The number one thing he has to do is thank Matt Patricia for his time and send him on his way. You've got to fix that defense, and you've got to fix it immediately. Get out there right now. If I'm the Eagles uh, – I would, as soon as the Cowboys hire a head coach, if it's not Dan Quinn, I'm going to get Dan Quinn right now. Dan Quinn had a terrible game plan against Green Bay. But that's one game. He's been an excellent defensive coordinator for his career. I don't know if somebody's going to hire him as a head coach, but I would be running to get myself uh, some time with him. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay side of things and then wrap up football today. Uh, I'm a big Todd Bowles fan. Uh, I was a little worried that I thought he was going to not make the playoffs and get fired, and I would have understood it. 
if he if he didn't make the playoffs. But now he's in the divisional round, and they're headed up to Detroit. Uh, Todd Bowles, tell us about this game and your team. They were ready to play. You know, we, we're not going to go in there trying to play for a tie. We were going for the win. We know we're underdogs. We'll be underdogs next week, too. We understand that. We embrace it. We like it. Uh, them guys come up play after play. We'll enjoy the night, and we'll get going tomorrow in Detroit. Always been a straight-to-the-point guy. He he was a, a hard, pretty hardcore listener to the old show, though. That was kind of cool. I, I got to know him really well while we interviewed him. But I didn't have a close, like, off-the-record relationship. Uh, admittedly, he did with Wolf, so we knew a lot that was going on defensively at the time. So I felt close, but I want to be totally honest. It was through Wolf that, uh, that we were able to talk defense. But Todd Bowles, very, very honest man. Very straightforward. Really. Was he a coach here in Arizona? He was the, uh, when Bruce Arians was here, he was the defensive coordinator. Oh, okay. And then left here and became the Jets head coach. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then James Betcher took over as the defensive coordinator after that. And I'm glad, thank you for asking me that question because I haven't thought about James Betcher in a while. Let's bug him. Let's get James Betcher to come on and talk about some of these AFC games that are upcoming because he's now a linebackers coach uh, with the Bengals. So let's talk to him. You're welcome. Thank you. Here's Todd Bowles <laughs> talking about stopping the tush push, the famous Eagles play on the quarterback sneak. It is. I'm glad we didn't get into it too many times. I think the first game they had about four or five third and ones, and I think we were like one for four. So we were one for one. I'll take it. Don't want to go against it again, though. This is one of those Captain Obvious type of statements, but the way you stop the tush push is don't get into third and short. (laughs) The way you stop, I mean, the, the Eagles are so good at it that even though they weren't successful yesterday, the best way to stop it is to make sure you're keeping everybody in front of you and then you don't have a lot of third and shorts that you have to deal with it. Uh, here is Todd talking about the the celebration and the resiliency of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who had an up-and-down season, but as the winner of the South, you get a home playoff game and now you've made the divisional round. Uh, if I can get eight hours of sleep, that will be a celebration. <laughs> What can you say about this group um, to be able to have a victory like this in the playoffs with with the way they had to come back at the end of the season, winning five out of six games, just their tenacity and their resilience? I mean, it's big. It says a lot. It says a lot about the growth of our team from where we were in the beginning to the middle toward the end. And now playing with confidence, playing team football, everybody's playing fundamentally sound and technique sound. We got relatively healthy at the end. That helped out, too. And those guys, they want it. They see it. And they're going to compete every week. Big fan, big fan of Tampa uh, of, of Todd Bowles, and I want to I want to tell you they they were only a game above 500 this year, and they had a four game losing streak. But then when he mentioned we got healthy, they barely beat Carolina. As bad as Carolina is, they barely beat Carolina by three points. But that kind of put their team back together and started a four game winning streak, and they won four of their last five and. They did have the benefit. They didn't play Carolina until November and then had two games against Carolina at the end to be able to solidify winning the South. So they had two easy games to end to kind of the near the back half of the season. But as they got healthy and as Baker Mayfield developed
developed a, a little bit of a chemistry. They did start playing better and better. I like the Lions in this game this weekend. So I, I think Tampa Bay's run is over. But I, I think Todd Bowles fixed his job. And I, I really believe that you've done a good job coaching when you win with Baker Mayfield. I don't think Mayfield's terrible, but I don't think he's very good. And you still have to have a lot of pieces do well to win with a guy like Baker Mayfield. So I, I think he did. Uh, Todd Bowles did a great job this year. Here is Baker Mayfield. What did you think of uh, of your first? Is that his first? Uh, I think it's his first playoff win. I can't remember a game with Cleveland that he won uh, in the playoffs because he got hurt and then tried to play against the Steelers and lost. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is his first playoff win. Yeah, um, I said immediately after the game, we, we worked extremely hard to get a chance to be in the playoffs, and uh, we just wanted an opportunity, and our guys came out and played really, really well. Special teams, defense, once again, Chase is a stud. Defense played lights out. Um, yeah, and we, we should have had a lot more points on offense, but uh, we did just enough to get the win tonight, and um, yeah, we're, we're happy, but uh, still got more to go. There is... One of the things that's been key, and I think when you bounce around the league, I mean, remember the Carolina Panthers cut him. Uh, When you bounce around the league like Baker Mayfield has, you suddenly come with a sense of of great maturity when that many people don't have your back in a sense. So remember where he was doing all the progressive commercials. Hey, I live in Cleveland Stadium. Cleveland Stadium is my house, you know, and all that business that progressive did with him. And now where are all the spots? Who is Baker Mayfield anymore? You quickly learn once you don't prove yourself anymore that nobody's with you. Everybody acted like they were close to you. But now that you're not a commodity, we've moved on. And when you internalize that and stop taking offense to it, but more realize my only way out is hard work. My only way back is hard work. It's a hard lesson. It's a forced maturity. But once you get there, I I sense a totally different Baker Mayfield. Again, I'm building him up just to take his knees out next week when I say Lions win. But I, I, I can see why he was able to move Tampa Bay forward. Um, the, uh, but when he says he did just enough to, to get the win, I mean, they won 32 to yeah. 9, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did a little more than just yes. enough. I think he's also really complimenting the defense. For the, you know, the offense, we can do a lot better. I, I think he's trying to hold the offense accountable. But you're right. It, it does ring a little hollow. I'm not denying that. It rings a little hollow. Um, this one is, is basically how do you feel that every step of the way it's going to be Tampa Bay's an underdog in the playoffs, especially just being an underdog at home in the game you just won. Just proud of our guys, proud of everybody in the building to stick together like we did the, the second half of the year and um, to get to this spot, to, to keep fighting, to stick together and don't listen to the outside noise. Just just trust the people next to you. Outside noise is something a lot of people always say and they just, they're, they're they, they hear voices in their head that aren't real. They try to act like everyone's against them. With Baker, it might be a little different. I, I don't think everybody's against the Buccaneers just because they're underdogs. I think, I think they're not in anybody's range. Like, like, do you wake up this morning and think, man, that Tampa Bay team now? You know, no. But I do think he 
can justly feel like everybody's against him. I, I buy that with Baker himself. Maybe not the team. Uh, Baker, how you feeling? Uh, how, how's, how's the shoulder? How's the knee? Um, just a lot more rehab and treatment. Um, got an unbelievable physiotherapist that has been flying in every week uh, for six years now. So he came twice this week and uh, get to see him again tomorrow. Just it's all the your body is your product. And it's like the one job you have to do is to get ready physically to be able to play. Um, so everybody, everybody in the locker room at this point of the year, it's a long season. Everybody's fighting some sort of uh, injury and uh, we, we everybody did the best they could to prepare. If you're a Browns fan and I'm wrong on that, I would love for next week's Town Hall Tuesday. Do you mind sending me a tweet or emailing me, Doug, at DougFranzUnplugged.com? I said earlier that I think that's Baker Mayfield's first playoff win, and I legitimately don't remember if I'm right on that. So I would love for your feedback. If you're a Browns fan and you know it well and remember, no, 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 he won this game. I want to get the record right. I don't care if I'm right. I always care that the show is right. So you get the information correct before you get to work when you're listening to Doug Franz Unplugged. All right, last one from him. He had a huge drive. They had about a 12-play drive, I think it was. Let me cheat and look up. 12-play, 83-yard drive that kind of uh, iced the game with a deep ball to uh, to Godwin. What were you thinking right there? What would you see? We talked, we talked about it. Uh, had one play call in the huddle and, and just gave the guys the you know heads up. They might bring cover zero, and they did. So got the alert, changed the protection, changed the, the concept, and um, Chris did a, a really, really good job of, you know, when it's cover zero, those guys are just trying to play at a certain point. And then when Chris sticks his foot in the ground and runs, he was right on the landmark. And um, Dave and Brad always talk about when it's cover zero, just look up for the ball, and he did. Um, I was you – know, <laughs> wasn't the best ball, but he caught it. So 14 down there somewhere is he thanks a ton for pulling that that you talk about a great piece of football right there how many times do you hear somebody scream when you're sitting at a game that they're blasting the offensive coordinator for bad play calling okay you hear that a lot from fans and listen that does happen okay Troy Aikman just said it yesterday play calling is an art in this league and not everybody has it good line okay but In a lot of situations, that isn't the play call. It's a case where here is the play call. But we've talked all week, this team likes to go cover zero. And if they go cover zero, we want to shift to this. Now, you might be asking, Doug, what's cover zero? It's it's very simple. When you hear cover zero, cover one, cover two, cover three, and all of these phrases... It almost like think of the out, of, of outfielders. It basically means how many outfielders are you going to have? Basically, it's not people covering a man. It's people covering an area. So if you're playing cover two, the safety on the right covers the whole right side of the field. And I mean that vertically. And the, the safety on the left covers the whole left side of the field. So that means you've got support from those two guys. Cover three, we'll divide it into thirds. Cover zero means it's man across the board. Everybody's in man-to-man coverage. So if you're if you're in man-to-man, they're doing it to bring the house. Okay? Now, whenever you hear me say pre-snap read, post-snap validation, a good quarterback will see the tells. Defenders get all excited. Okay, it's cover zero. My chance to get a sack. Here we go. Here we go. And they get all jacked up. And they start flinching at the line. And they start getting top heavy. Uh, A fake flinch is a guy will 
put his foot forward with his weight back to try to show the quarterback, hey, look, I might be coming. I might be coming. But a true tell is the guy steps forward and puts all of his weight forward because now he's coming. And he want, he's so excited to get a good jump on the snap that he telegraphs to the quarterback, we've got a blitz coming. We're in cover zero. Everybody get ready. And a good quarterback who's taken his time in film study, who's watched the tells on film, who is able to read the body language of the other team, and a team that's prepared for the cover zero will then shift out of it. And he said, hey, in cover zero, I just got to put it up. What that means is there, since there's no safety help, there's nobody running over to be able to get in the way of the pass. So it's just Godwin and his guy. Who wants it? And you've got to trust Godwin's going to go get it. So just throw it up. Because why take the sack? You don't have enough guys to block cover zero. You don't. You're going to get hit. But do you understand what's coming? Do you know where your read is? Do you know where to put the ball so it's safe? And then you've got a chance at a big play. And that's what Baker did. That is not play calling. It is coaching from the element of, are all of your guys on the same page? But it's really the football IQ of the players and specifically the quarterback on that. So if you ever see, if you can ever tell cover zero, say, wow, they're playing man everywhere and the quarterback takes a bad sack, somebody's going to be like, oh, terrible play call. Somebody else is going to be like, the O-line stinks. No, none of that's true. They didn't check into the right play because the quarterback didn't see it or the receiver ran the wrong route. He ran the route that was called in the huddle, didn't adjust with the check when cover zero came. There's a lot there. That's what makes football cool. All right. That's it for uh, our football rundown, rundown, rundown. Hopefully you enjoyed me spending an hour and a half on the playoffs. But we didn't have any of our local teams play last night, so I thought we'd spend time doing that. Coming up next, I want to talk Suns, and we've got Town Hall Tuesday. We'll start it off with Town Hall Tuesday. You email me, you tweet me, you post on Instagram. I use it for you, and Town Hall Tuesday is next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Good spend some time with Steve McCullough with the main event coming up in about 10 minutes here on Doug Frog's Unplugged. Before we do that, it's time for Hear Ye, Hear Ye, Oh Yay, Oh Yay. It's time to call a town hall meeting. 
Send me an email, Doug at DougFranzUnplugged.com. Post on Twitter at UnpluggedDoug or X. Or post on Instagram at Unplugged or at Doug Franz Unplugged on Instagram. Sorry I butchered that. And then every Tuesday we take everything you did, put it together, and Jeff Weir Production goes through it. Jeff, what you got? All right, the first one I've got, it looks like it's from General Mike. Okay. It reads, why do guys slowly hobble off the field when there is over two minutes left in the half in the NFL? Take the free timeout. Fryer Muth cost the Steelers a timeout with five minutes left because he took so long to get off, they couldn't call a play. Number two, what is the uh, Let me stop you, Jeff, if you don't okay, mind. Okay, sure. Because uh, I'll, I'll answer number one, and he's exactly right. What he's referring to is Fryer Muth gets hurt, tries to hobble off the field, and as he's hobbling, he takes so long that by the time the play comes in, he's off the field, they're ready for the next play, they don't have time to check, now they've got to call a timeout. He's absolutely right, and I don't know why players don't know, other than the fact of you're hurt and you're not thinking. But that's why a lot of times you'll see coaches, get down, get down, get down and the reason why is because of that exact reason take the free injury timeout when i say free if you get hurt before the last two minutes of a half you don't get charged a timeout it's a great question and it's a screw up every time but i'm kind of guessing because players are worried about their ankle more than they're worried about the clock all right. And then number two, what is the most dangerous thing you guys did when you were young? <laughs> we used to sled down a hill covered in frozen ice that had a ramp built out of a rusty car hood at the end of it. <laughs> We'd compete for bragging rights for who could jump over the most kids. For me, it had to be that. At our regular games of jarts and lawn darts... I don't know what that is. Oh, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Where we spaced the circles about 30 yards apart and threw them about 40 feet in the air. <laughs> How none of us got a skull fracture is truly a miracle. Happy for you that they got the Rattlers deal done. Oh, I'm sure you guys are going to crush it. Let me know if you need a free spotter in the booth. LOL. Uh, General Mike, Okay. Uh, I know what lawn darts are, but I don't know what the jarts. That, that's what people would call it. The jarts were oh, lawn darts. Okay. So, yes, I did play a lot of lawn darts at Grandpa's house. Loved lawn darts. And I never, like, we never got into a war with them. So, I never looked at them as all that dangerous. But we, I loved playing lawn darts. And then I wasn't a real crazy kid. Well, I mean, I was crazy, like, within my own confine, but not dangerous crazy. But I would say we had one of those old TV antennas that had the ladder built in that was way above the roof because we lived on a hill. So you had to get the antenna higher than the house next to us. I always thought it was cool to climb that ladder and sit on the roof. I don't know why. So I would sometimes just climb the ladder and sit on the roof. I thought that was kind of cool to be up there. And I don't know if that was totally dangerous. I mean, I guess when you're eight years old sitting on a roof of a house isn't really smart. But I didn't really do a lot of dangerous things. Jeff, did you? Um, the, My brothers used to push me into a or shove me into a barrel and roll me down hills. <laughs> with with or dangerous. without your consent? Um, well, partly with, partly without. Okay, okay. I was always the test dummy of uh, my brothers. Do you think it's had a lasting result? 
No. Okay, okay. No. Uh, well, <laughs> and thanks for the congratulations on the Rattlers. I'm really happy about that. All of us here at WTSM TV can't wait to get started. I don't think I need a spotter in eight man football, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe I do. <laughs> if I struggle in game one, I'll give you a call, Mike. All right, what's next? All right, the next one we've got is from General Tom. Doug, thanks for your service to the Army yesterday. As a U of A alumni, your assessment of Jedfish is spot on. Mm. It is unfortunate, but true. You further com- commended that you didn't think any AZ kid would or should go to the, to the U of A. Can you expound on that some more by comparing the Alabama kid going to Auburn versus Alabama? Is, is it the same? Where should the AZ kid go? What is, what is it going to take to get them there? I'm assuming he means U of yep, A. Yep. And what will it take to now compete with Kenny Dillingham and ASU? P.S. I hate Tucson as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly why I live here. But I do, I do the drive to Tucson several times a year to support the teams. This is a great uh, email, General Tom. Um, number one, I was saying that about a kid going to U of A based on the fact that which way is it going to go? U of A has just proven to me they're either going to hire a not a very good coach or hire a good coach that succeeds and then they're not going to do what it takes to keep him. And then he's going to leave. So if you're an Arizona kid, you better know that going in. Listen, if U of A has a program you want academically that's better than some other places, man, go. It's not all about football, okay? Or if you have a great connection to the new coach that they hire and you want to play for him, then of course go to U of A because with the transfer portal, you can now be allowed out. But the problem is U of A has just sent a signal flare to every every high school kid that football is not important to us. That's what they just did by not getting a deal done with Jed Fish a long time ago. And I mean, don't even wait until the end of the season. In the middle of the season, get that contract deal done. And they dragged their feet. And, and I, I just thought that was ridiculous. As far as comparing it to Alabama or Auburn, that's dramatically different, and here is why. Alabama, with Nick Saban, I don't know how things are going to change, you're trying to win a national championship. Auburn, you're trying to catch Alabama. So you know where you're at in that scale as you're being recruited. Even though I'm ripping U of A for the way that they handled Jed Fish, I am not elevating ASU while I do it. That doesn't make ASU great just because U of A screwed this up. So if you want to really compete for championships right now, neither team, neither university has proven that they can do that. Uh, What's next? All right, the next one I have is from Kristen. Okay. I think that's Christine, actually. Christine, I'm sorry. I think. I am a 25-year U of A football season ticket holder. Wow. Most of those years, I drove from Phoenix every home game. I couldn't listen to your pod today. What a gut punch. (laughs) If you think everything's about money, then yes, he did do the right thing. Or he did the right thing. How how he did is crap. Mm. Jason Shear, Wildcat Authority, Put, on, put out a pod worth listening to. Okay. He had his finalized 
He had this finalized on Saturday while he and his family were telling the UA they were not interested. You then spend three minutes in front of, I'm sorry, I lost my place, in front of the team saying, I'm leaving nothing else to say. Really? UA is a lower tier program. I get it. But something has to change to make this game palatable again. Notice I didn't say fair. And you and you ASU fans, don't fool yourselves. You are a triple-A program as well. A good season every so often, but one who will always be plucked by the vultures of bigger programs. I will always bear down. Um, this is a, first of all, I'm sorry that my opinion, you like, you were so emotional, Christine, that you didn't even want to hear it yesterday. I, I thought it's interesting when you said, if it's all about money, then yes, he did the right thing. I think money is also showing you whether or not somebody's serious. If you're a, if you're a, I think he totally did the right thing because the man wants to win. And I mean, taking the UW job. I think the man wants to win. And this is an opportunity to be have a better chance at winning. This is an opportunity for a school that has more to offer and they want to compete. U of A proved they're not interested in competing. Your second opinion, the how he did it, that's a great conversation piece. When I was talking yesterday, I didn't have all of the information of how he was going to handle the meeting with the players. The three-minute meeting was crap putting out a statement on how much he loves u of a while already changing his avatar with the u-dub hat that was crap you are absolutely right that there is no reason to treat the kids like that on your way out none whatsoever and i said the same thing you're going to be shocked by this because i consider the man a friend i like todd graham a lot i know he's nuts but i like him and if he was sitting right here, I'd tell him, I don't like the way you left Pittsburgh. They said that Pittsburgh wouldn't allow Todd Graham to talk to the kids. Said, if you are taking this other job, you're out as head coach. We're not going to, you're not allowed to go talk to him. If I'm Todd Graham, I violate the contract. I, I make them call security. You're not getting in between me and the kids on my way out the door. And I would look at Jed Fish and say, at least you talk to him, but that's still crappy. You could have sat there and said, what kind of questions do you guys have? What do you want to go over? And if somebody wants to yell at him, then you take it. You're getting paid enough money. Now you take it. I'm, I'm totally with you there, Christine. Uh, sorry I don't have time for more of them. we got a lot more to do. So, we, you know what? I don't feel bad. We, we actually remember today to do Town Hall Tuesday, but we'll, we'll throw in some more on Town Hall Wednesday, and, uh, and we'll kind of finish up the, some of the ones that we didn't get to because that took a little longer than I anticipated. Uh, right now, we have uh, the Steve McCollum and the main event with Dale Hellestray coming up in about 20 minutes, and he joins us right now to talk about – is there anything that you think of uh, Jed Fish that you're going to be bringing up today that you didn't get a chance to get to yesterday? No, I just don't <clears> – <throat> Christine, I'm sure you're a fabulous person, <laughs> but here it comes. Yeah, exactly. What are you doing taking a shot at Arizona State in that comment there? Oh, yeah. The, you, hey, you're a AAA their, program, and the yeah. Vultures are going to come pluck your guys. Yeah, exactly right. But you know what? They plucked our coaches before. This is your first time. That's how, <laughs> that's how desolate your program is, Christine. Uh, that's your problem. Don't shoot us down because you can't hang on to your coach and your trash of an organization. 
Love you, Christine. <clears throat> I do look at the scenario where if 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 you're calling, I. Uh, it is cra- like listen. This is a rivalry. Deal with it. Yeah. it. But it is crappy if ASU fan suddenly wants to run all over the U of A parade or the no. song story right now. But I admit, yeah. as I look at ASU and fan and say you shouldn't do that. If it was the evil ch- uh, child eaters from <laughs> Eastern Ohio, I would be feeling the exact same. Yeah, way. Like I, I don't. I think the the dynamic on this is I don't think ASU fans are overtly gro- uh, you know gloating. I'm sure there's some are. Yeah. Yeah. Because. I said this yesterday on the program. We know what it's like to lose a coach. We lost yep. uh, 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 John Cooper, right, to right. Ohio State right. after a Rose Bowl year. We know what this is like. This is literally the first time Arizona's experienced this yeah, yeah. ever in football. They hire a bunch of crappy coaches. And then, um, oh, cow, I just forgot his name right now. He was there forever, uh, Tomey, right? Oh, yeah, Dick Tomey. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. he's, he's there for a thousand years and gets fired, so he doesn't get to move on someplace else. Uh, welcome to the reality. And it, it hit Arizona strictly in the face. And, and Rich Rod wore underwear in the office, yeah. so that didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's, it's just, I, I get it. They're angry. I fully understand it. Uh, you know, Jetfish, uh, look, I've said it all along. And this, I know you're friends with Kenny Dillingham, but I always question coaches that say I'm here for life because it's very it's ha- fair well it's hard to say that because it, if somebody walked in right now and said Doug I'm, I'm doubling your salary done to come here do it right yeah. we're all going yeah you're at least listening yes absolutely Absolutely. So how do you fault a guy to do that? Then you get more NIL money. His, his assistant coaches are getting paid as well. Right, right. All of that. You can't fault the guy for leaving. But if you're sitting here on a program one day as you're about to leave and you're sitting here going, oh, I love this place. I don't ever want to leave here. And then you talk to everybody. Everybody else is ready to leave. I guess he's ready to leave. And you're like, no, no, guys, stay with me here. Stay with me here. And then you're like, all right, see you later. Whoop. <laughs> That obviously is a bad precedent, and that's the adage of coaching that Arizona hasn't experienced yet. A lot of us haven't experienced right, yet right, right. Uh, out there, but, I mean, it's, it's out there, and that's what these guys do. It's just, sorry, Arizona, it sucks, and your program's going to be set back for a lot of years because of it. Yeah, there's the reports. I haven't heard – I don't know if you've heard anything official. I've mm-hmm. only seen a report from the 24-7 sports reporter Jason Shear that yeah. says he's reporting that the offer has been made yep. to the San Jose State head coach, I, and I think – that's a wonderful that's a wonderful decision when you're compared to this late in the game of now you've got to go find somebody i I would have gone uh carol's kid the offensive coordinator and I and i said it yesterday only because the players like him Right? Uh, right. The, you can keep the continuity. But more importantly, I asked Dale yesterday, and that's something's changed. What's Pete Carroll doing these days? Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. Pete Carroll will come coach, but you he has somebody now who no head coaching experience. Uh, but no, I've uh, – Have a I, free advisor looking at your defense. That's my, that's my point. Like, yeah. uh, you mean to tell me Pete Carroll's not going to pay attention to his kid's first head coaching gig? Right. So that's the way you're I would have right. leaned. If you're going for a – Lesser tier coach, I guess yeah, you could say. Yeah. Uh, something to look at. But um, look, I, Brennan's all right. I, I could tell you this. Um, I, I'm not going to confirm anything because I don't do that type of work. I'm not going to put through the legwork to do that type of work. Uh, but he has been offered. And from what I understand, he is going to be the next coach of the University of Arizona. Is is the Brennan. Uh, is, is Brennan Carroll or? Brennan. Or, I mean, or uh, the uh, Brent Brennan. Brent Brennan, yeah, yes. It's I'm weird. sorry. I Brent think Brennan. it's Brennan Carroll. Oh, no, Carroll, Brent Carroll's Brennan. going to Washington yeah. with the big pay raise. I know uh, that he left him. for yeah. UW, right? Right, but I didn't know if they were going to get him back. No, no, he took all assistance, not even in the running, not yeah. even in an interview. They they had their uh, mindset on two guys, uh, and uh, they're going out and getting him, which 
this is shocking to me. The fact that Arizona had two guys plucked out right away to go after immediately after a surprise yeah, move yeah. to Washington tells me Arizona was prepared for this. Th- that's a good thing. Now, whether they were prepared because they never trusted Jed Fish or whether it's just a good AD. That's the that's question. A, it's a really good question. Yeah. I, I, go, I like really your quick, Brendan Carroll opinion. Michigan's about to lose their head coach, folks. Very good chance of that. There's going to be another giant ripple coming up as well. So, uh, you know, pay attention. This is not done yet in the coaching circles. I'm wondering if Michigan hires the OC because he got so much attention for beating Ohio State (laughs) in the last three games. But I like your Brendan Carroll opinion, and I like it also for a different reason. Now, keep in mind when I say this, one of the dumbest things Ray Anderson ever said as the athletic director is how bad they needed to keep the offensive coordinator when he fired Todd Graham yes. because of what Jaden Daniels needs. Yes. Well, how well did that work out yeah. for you, Ray? But Remember, both coordinators jetted shit. Yes, yes, because the DC yeah. was fired up, too, and he wanted out. <laughs> and the OC got an opportunity and where he was yeah. going to make more money at Lafayette yeah. than he was staying at ASU. Yeah. But the thing is, if you have any chance of keeping – Noah Fafita and mm-hmm. T-Mac, it would be with Brennan Carroll staying. So and again, you can't make an entire coaching decision based on one quarterback who may or may not stay. Yeah, I think T-Mac's but, going pro, right? I think he declared I think he for is the too. draft. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that's the thing. 18 of 22 starters back. Right now, it is damage control yeah. Yeah. to keep those kids there, and Carroll was the one guy that could do that. Interesting uh, You topic. know, because he was the offensive coordinator. So it's going to be fascinating to watch and uh, feel for you, Arizona fans, but life sucks. <laughs> Have a good show. That is Steve McCullough. He is your host of the main event, and that's coming up right here on WTSMTV.com with Dale Hellestray. I have versus Vegas for you. I was 14-1-1 going into yesterday. I was feeling pretty darn good. Feeling pretty darn good. And I am so mad at that last Bills touchdown and the lack of tackling. I had this, the only game I really liked was Steelers plus 10. I didn't take the Bills on the money line, which means there's no spread because the juice was way out of whack. And that's unfair to take a cheese ball win. I think we all thought the Bills were going to win. But I did think the Steelers were going to cover, and man, did I get smacked in the face on on that one with the Steelers giving up that late touchdown. So I don't want to say the heater's over when I'm now 14-2-1 in this stretch. But that hurt. That hurt a little bit yesterday. So I'm 1080-977 now at 9 overall, still below the 53% threshold. But looking at uh, today's games, I got I got hockey games that uh, that I like today. I'm going to take the Rangers uh, on the puck line. So this is a little bit of a stretch, minus one and a half. I love like the money line. It's going to hit. I think the Rangers are winning, but at minus 205, I admit I don't want to risk it. But I'm going to take the Rangers minus the one of the uh, one and five, uh, one and a half against. I don't know why I butchered that. Against at home against Seattle, I like that one today. I like. I um. I normally don't like to trust Chicago at all, but the juice on the money line is not bad at bad at all, and the Sharks are on the back end of a back to back. So I'm going to take Chicago on the money line. Uh, against San Jose, and I feel really good about that one. 
I've got, let me find the capitals. How bad is the juice on that? Let's still do it. Let's take some positive juice. I'll take the Capitals to cover the puck line at home against Anaheim, who's on the back end of a back-to-back. And I really like uh, sticking my neck out on one. Like, really sticking my neck out. I'm going to shock the world, take the Islanders on the money line with plus 160 juice. Is that what I want? No, I don't want I want the other way. The Islanders are on the back end of a back-to-back. So I want Winnipeg, and I still get positive juice with the minus one and a half. Sorry that I misread that. I like Winnipeg minus the one and a half, and you get plus 136 juice. So I've got some positive juice going today, and normally I'm a negative juice guy. Take the favorite. Will they cover or will they not? But I like um, those games today. I skipped Colorado and Ottawa. I don't want to. I don't want to trust Ottawa. Uh, Colorado's on the back end of the back-to-back. You know what though? I want to see where was Colorado at. Did, oh, they didn't have to cross the Canadian border. They were already in Montreal. So I'm not touching that game. So those are my three games. All hockey today. Didn't really get a chance to talk Suns, but I want to. I'll do it briefly here. Um, even though I'm not making a prediction on the game tonight against the Kings, they're home against Sacramento. And they really need to start establishing themselves a little bit. Like, trying to decide who are they really. And just so you know, Vegas actually likes the Suns in this game. I do too, but I don't like them to cover, so I'm not touching the game. But watch the offensive rebounding for the Suns. One strange little caveat stat here. The Kings are the best team in basketball at keeping you off of the offensive glass. And that is something, there's two things there. Number one, the Suns are one of the worst teams at keeping you off the offensive glass. Do you mind if I cheat and see what number they are? Um, Oh, they're not as bad as I thought here. Where is Phoenix? Phoenix, Phoenix. They're number 21. I thought they were even worse, to be honest. They're 21 at keeping you off the glass. They average giving up 11 offensive rebounds a game. The Wizards are the worst at giving up 13. So their average is only two rebounds better than the bottom of the NBA at giving up offensive rebounds. And a lot of times offensive rebounds are heart and awareness. Heart, hustle, and awareness. Well, the Kings have smart basketball players who have a lot of hustle and who have a lot of heart and they hustle. So they're going to fight for offensive rebounds and keep the Suns off of the glass. So this is a big point of emphasis because some of the things that the Suns have been doing well is when they're running. And to run, you've got to be able to, to rebound. So if they can't keep the Kings off the offensive glass, the Suns can't run. Number two, the offensive effort from the Kings might slow down their running. A lot of times a good offensive rebounding team keeps you from uh, outlets because you've got to stay in and box out. So that's it. the battle of the boards is going to be enormous. So if you're going to the game today, be that one old lady that sits in the crowd and yells, box out! 
every time at her at her favorite junior high team because that's actually going to be a vitally important part of tonight's game. That does it for today's version of Doug Fron's Unplugged presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Please do me a favor and mark off our opportunity to possibly be able to play on the 16th. February 16th, our tentative date for a Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass sanctioned event, golf in the afternoon on a Friday, plus a spa treatment for you and your spouse or you golf or your spouse. But irrelevant of that, figure out a way to come support us as a member of the Unplugged Army, whether it's coming to Civlick for lunch that day, whether it's come to Civlick for dinner that night with all of the golfers. If you can't golf, if you can golf, figure out a way to get involved for that day and get yourself a tee time. But right now, the tee times aren't up yet. I just want you to block off the date. Friday, February 16th in the afternoon for us to have a good time golfing and get together as the Unplugged Army. I'd love to see you out there. Thanks to Whirlwind for being our presenting sponsor. Thanks to Mikey at Bell's Nashville Kitchen and Rosati's, the official sports bar, but only the one in Chandler at Ray and McQueen. If you are going to Bell's, I'm telling you, I love the chicken tender iceberg wedge salad. Wow, is that thing fantastic. The best breakfast burrito you're going to ever have in your life is Burrito Express. Seven locations all across the east side. And if there's any issues you have with your heating, cooling, plumbing, or electrical, please trust me, I have been a Parker & Sons customer for a lot many years, even before I was ever an endorser of Parker & Sons. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.